This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another special edition episode of The Assembly Call, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel. As you know, they have the world's largest and best selection of vintage collegiate apparel printed on the softest and most comfortable fabrics. You can knock out your entire Christmas list in one place. Go to homefieldapparel.com, use our promo code HOME23, and get 15% off your first order. That is HOME23 at homefieldapparel.com for 15% off your first order. Okay, well, we plan to have something special for you today. Hopefully, we still will uh, here with Indiana's second December Big Ten game coming up uh, tomorrow in Ann Arbor. The plan was to talk through that with our buddy Ant Wright. Um, haven't, we, we set it up on Friday. Haven't heard from him yet today. He's got the link and everything, so hopefully he'll still show up. Uh, we'll see We'll see how that goes. Um, hey, you know, miscommunications happen, so maybe something happened there. Hopefully everything is all good on his end. Uh, but either way, we have here with us also the man behind IU Film Room uh, in our assembly call content, Coach Tony Adronia. Tony, how are you doing, man? I'm fantastic. It's a good Monday. Uh, Signetti still got me fired up, and IU win <laughs> over Maryland still got me fired up, so I'm ready to go. I know, and Signetti, I saw he posted a picture earlier today of him at the office at like, you know, 5.30 and then said on the radio, I think that he had already been there for an hour. So I think, uh, yeah. who who got there first, him or Gabe Cups for his breakfast club? What do you think? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> good question. <laughs> Two of them will probably bump into each one. other. Yeah, they'll probably bump into each other a lot. Um, all right, Tony. So we've got a big game coming up on Tuesday. We're recording this on Monday afternoon. Indiana plays at Michigan on Tuesday. That game is at nine o'clock Eastern. So it's the first real late tip of the season for Indiana. Um, that game is on Peacock. So make sure that you have your Peacock subscription. Uh, if you don't want to, you know, pony up for the subscription and you just want to listen 
the Varsity app does a really nice job of providing the radio feed. Um, so you can get the Varsity app and then you can listen to Fish. But if you want to actually watch it, uh, you want to watch it on Peacock. And I will just offer this <laughs> little bit of this Peacock tip, um, which kind of stinks. But I guess, you know, like Tony, in a normal DVR situation, say you're like 10 minutes late, you know, you would turn it on. And you, if you've been recording it, you could rewind to the beginning that is not the case here. It does not work like that. If you're late you to the game, you it's completely on demand. Yeah, completely on demand. And they don't put them on demand right away. Like you have to wait sometimes several hours afterwards. So just beware of that. A uh, little bit of a different experience there on Peacock. Uh, but that game is on Peacock. Indiana is 1-0 in conference play, obviously, after beating Maryland. Michigan has yet to open up. Big Ten play. On Saturday, they played at Oregon, lost that game in overtime 86-83. to So this will be their first Big Ten game. Their second one is then on Sunday against Iowa. But it's interesting, Tony, as we start looking at this matchup, you know, Michigan entered the season ranked number 45 in Ken Palm. They are 4-4. Four and four. You know, they've had two top 100 wins over St. John's and Stanford. They've lost to three teams, you know, ranked 52nd or higher in Memphis, Texas Tech, and Oregon, and they lost to number 138 Long Beach State. But they've only dropped four spots since the season started. Indiana, on the other hand, opened the season number 50 in Ken Palm, has a 6-1 and one record, and has dropped 19 spots in Ken Palm to number 69, which is interesting. And, you know, I say that just as kind of a point of reference here on December 4th. We know that those analytics are very noisy early in the season. There's going to be a lot of fluctuation. So I'm not saying that's necessarily an accurate assessment of how good these teams are. But I do think that when you put it into kind of an objective per possession algorithm, for it to spit out that kind of a difference in terms of kind of the relative strengths of these teams, I do find interesting. I'm curious just to get your take on that and kind of based on what you've seen from Indiana, and I know you haven't watched Michigan as closely, but what you've seen from them, uh, if that makes sense to you, I guess, why the computers are viewing these two teams the way they are. Yeah, a couple things there to, to start. Uh, first one with Peacock, uh, we're going to have to get on Osterman and all those guys that live tweet the games and, and ask them to give us like a minute delay on their tweets. Um, you know, streaming, especially on Peacock seems to be a decent amount behind live action. Oh, Uh, is it really? Like up to like two minutes. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. Games that I've watched. Um, so that's something that I would love for them to figure out because, uh, there definitely will be people that are at the games, you know, live tweeting and stuff. And, that it feels like they weren't quite ready for the live sport streaming yet. <laughs> <You know>? No. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Working out the kinks like in real time. And, and especially like what I was curious about today, and sorry, this is completely side tangent from your actual question, but what I was curious about today is like if they'll have like the bandwidth to get to like withstand an IU versus Purdue, everybody on that <laughs> yeah. app trying to watch that game. Like that is something that concerns me. I, I have no idea if they have the infrastructure in place to support that i would think and hope they do but that that did kind of strike strike me today when i was thinking about peacock on are they gonna have like the bandwidth or is the whole state of indiana just gonna hate peacock because nobody can watch the iu purdue rivalry i guess time I will tell uh in, in terms of your real question um in, in basketball related you know i i'm more of a uh, bart torvik fan right now because he's got iu at 52 and michigan at 53 <laughs> and that's solely <laughs> yeah. why nothing to do with actually how they they get their their to their numbers but 
You know, well, it's, and it's and an I think I think Torvik has less of last season stuff baked into his current number, Correct. I think, is the difference. Correct. His is more like predictive metrics based – I mean, he he explains it. You know, he, he takes into account like recruiting rankings and, and all kinds of stuff um, that, that Kim Palm doesn't. So uh, I do think Indiana is probably closer to their, their Bart Torvik rating than their Kim Palm rating, and same with Michigan right now. Um, but like you said, there's so much noise there right now, and it, it all tends to, to flush itself out. Uh, both of which are better than Indiana's net rating. Of, well, let's uh, not even talk about the net rating. Good Lord. <laughs> We're talking Was it 137, I think? <laughs> yeah. Not talk great. about a number that's um, noisy early in the season when they first put it out. Yeah, and it's an interesting one because if I think if you had this conversation with Mike Woodson, he'd be like, look, we're six and one. That's all that matters. Uh, he's basically noted as much. Yes. Um, you know, Indiana really had some struggles with some pretty low opponents, especially, you know, you look at um, Army oh. and even Florida Gulf Coast hasn't really proven to be as good as I maybe thought they might be. Um, but, you know, Army's 352 in Ken Palm and, and for Indiana to really struggle with them. Uh, that's going to, that's going to hamper you. Louisville isn't very, you know, 161. Um, they did get a win over number 70 Maryland. So like they're working in the right direction, but it makes sense when you, like you said, when you look at kind of these predictive metrics for Indiana that they don't see them as very good. Um, you know, when you look at Michigan, as you noted, they've got a couple top 100 wins. They beat St. John's, um, you know, their losses out, I guess they did lose to a bad Long Beach state team. But the rest of their losses are within about that top 50 of Ken Palm. So, um, you know, it, it, it's hard to say. Uh, I, I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, with, with Indiana, they obviously haven't played a true road game. They, they certainly had that neutral site um, in New York and then obviously in Indy. So I'm intrigued to see what they look like on the road. Um, but at the same time, the the predictive stuff right now is just so hard to kind of flush out and figure out where everything's at. So let me tell you my concerns heading into this game, you know, and I think most Indiana fans are feeling better about the team after the second half against Harvard and the way they played against Maryland. Uh, I certainly think this is a winnable road game. Like Indiana can go up there and win this game. You know, Michigan has some, you know, some interesting players, Doug McDaniels off to a great start. Olivier Kamwa is obviously very good, but they've got a lot of, you know, new faces and new places, you know, working through some of the same role issues that Indiana is. So this is a game Indiana could win. But here are my concerns. You know, one, you know, we saw Indiana, you know, kind of rally around a depleted backcourt with no Xavier Johnson at home against Maryland. And you can kind of do that at home. You know, you've got, you know, Coach Tonsoni who was there said the crowd was awesome. You know, that kind of gives you some of that extra juice. You're not going to have that against Michigan. And so, you know, if X can't play, and I'm approaching the game as if X is not going to be able to play, now Gabe Cups is starting, you know, so a freshman in his first, you know, kind of road battle. And when you look at some of the things that Michigan has done to be successful, number one, it's Doug McDaniel, Doug McDaniel using a ton of possessions, breaking down defenses with his speed and quickness, which has been a problem for Indiana. And then Michigan has used the three-point line very well. You know, they're in the top 50 in three-point percentage, and they're, you know, 100th in the country, so they're a little bit above average in how often they shoot threes. And Indiana's three-point defense has been better of late, but they are still susceptible to that. And so you kind of add up, you know, some of those things. Um, how does Indiana overcome that then to compete and potentially, you know, be able to, to win this game? Because those would seem to be all advantages in Michigan's direction. 
Yeah, and another one that scares me is Michigan's a really good offensive rebounding team. I think they're, what, in the top 30 in the country pretty much in offensive rebound percentage. And in Indiana, it does seem, along with you know their three-point defense, their defensive rebounding has seemed to get better as well. But Michigan's a you know pretty elite offensive rebounding team. So that's another thing that, that does concern me. You know, especially it seems as though they have struggled to rebound against the teams that do shoot a lot of three-pointers. Um, you know, you're going to get long rebounds. You're going to get weird positioning on rebounds when teams are, are chucking it from the cheap seats. And so, you know, that kind of compounds the the issue a bit of, of kind of Indiana's two weaknesses on the defensive end that they've shown. How do they overcome that? I think Indiana does exactly what it, it has been doing in terms of being able to get to the free throw line at an elite rate. I think number five in the country right now in, in free throw rate, which is outstanding. Um, Michigan is not deep at all. I think I think on Ken Palm, their bench uh, bench minutes is 340th or something in the country. There's only yeah. 20 teams or so that that use their bench less. So if Indiana can get them in foul trouble, they're gonna they're gonna get deep into that bench that really doesn't have a lot of experience or time together. And that's how I think Indiana can can really kind of control the flow of the game. Uh, if they're able, especially if you can get, um, you know, somebody in foul trouble, like, like a McDaniel or, or something along those lines that really kind of neutralizes that loss of Xavier Johnson being able to put ball pressure on. Um, so to me, that's the number one key for Indiana is kind of continue to do what they've been doing in terms of getting the team in foul trouble. Now on that same coin, Michigan hasn't fouled a lot. Their defensive free throw rate um, has been pretty low. And some might argue that's because they haven't played a lot of defense. Um, yeah. you know, their, their defense, <laughs> their defense has been pretty susceptible to, to big games. And so the, you know, obviously that bodes well for Indiana. Indiana's had a, you know, an elite front court in Malik Renew and Kalel Ware. And then you had Kenzie Mbako. Mbako seems to be coming on of late. Um, you know, that can give Michigan fits as well. So to me, Indiana's got to continue to ride what's got them there. And that's, like I said, um, getting to the foul line, running with that front court, forcing Michigan um, to do different things. I think Michigan's not going to be afraid to throw out some zone defensive looks, change things up, um, you know, in terms of how they guard Indiana, in terms of doubling the post, not doubling the post, make Malik Renew think when he catches that ball. Um, they did those similar things to Trace Jackson Davis when he would catch it in the low post. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything unique that Indiana has to do that's different than how they've played this season, but you know, they've got to execute that at a high level, especially when their first road trip. You know, you're right. I mean, Michigan has not played a ton of defense. They're currently 125th in adjusted defensive efficiency. There's only been one game all season where they've given up less than 73 points. And that was to Youngstown state in a 92, 63 or 92, 62 victory back in November. And, you know, the recipe that teams have used against them, you know, number one, teams are shooting the three really well against Michigan. They're giving up, you know, a percentage of 39.4%, you know, and they're about the national average in terms of the amount of threes teams take against them. Can Indiana take advantage of that, you know, on the road? Obviously, if they're going to do it, it's probably going to need to be guys like McKenzie Mbako and Trey Galloway stepping up to do it. Uh, And we haven't really seen those guys get going yet. Although, it feels like Mbako's ready. Like it feels like he's ready to have like a four or five three point game. I don't know if it'll happen here, but that would obviously be big for Indiana. But as you said, you know, the bread and butter is, is going down low. And, you know, Michigan is not without size. They have Terrace Reed, uh, who I thought really improved last year in his first season. Um, you know, he's a solid defensive player. They also have Trey Jackson, uh, who's, you know, a six ten center. 
And so they're a little bit above average in terms of defending twos, uh, but they don't turn teams over a lot. And that'll be big for Indiana uh, because obviously, you know, Indiana has been susceptible at times to some turnovers. Um, and so, so that's what's going to be interesting to me. You know, you go on the road, can Indiana protect, protect enough possessions, get enough good shots for Malik and Khalil down low? Because I think they should have an advantage down there. I mean, Khalil's going to have two or three inches on whoever tries to guard him. Uh, and we'll talk about the Kamwa Malik Renew matchup in a little bit because I think that's particularly interesting. Um, but to your point, I think the formula is going to look very similar. And the X factor for me is can Indiana hit six or seven threes? You know, I think if we do, that's where now we're going to have a chance to go steal it. But if we're trying to overcome some of these other issues while kind of playing with one hand tied behind our back, if we're only hitting three or four threes, that's going to be a, a much tougher needle to thread on the road, you know, because Michigan, that's been part of the formula for these teams to beat Michigan, you know, is get hot, hit some threes. Um, and it, we just haven't seen enough from Indiana to expect that on the road, but they're certainly capable. And that, that to me is going to be a big part of whether they can go on the road and win or not. Absolutely agree. Um, you know, and it's, it's going to come off of those Malik renewed doubles, kick out extra pass to the opposite wing. And somebody's got to be ready to knock down a shot. Um, you know, as I mentioned in my film room this past Friday, that's where Trey Galloway's, you know, thro- thrived, throve. Thr- thriven? I don't- thrived. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, last season uh, in spot-up opportunities. And I think he's going to have those. And, you know, you've got a guy in Gabe Cubs that's going to be willing to make that extra pass. I think Gabe knows his role, you know, especially in that starting group is to distribute – um, you know, get hockey assists, get the ball in the right spots. Don't turn the ball over. Um, you know, we were having a conversation offline right before this. That, like his offensive production has been fairly minimal. Um, you know, hasn't scored a point since I think November, early November or mid-November. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think he's a guy that that can kind of get those hockey assists, help get the ball in the right spots, and then, like you said, an Mbako, a Trey, a CJ Gunn. Those guys got to be ready to step up and knock them down because they're going to have ample opportunities. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now here on the assembly call, our buddy, Ant Wright. He played for John Beeline at Michigan, the owner of the Full Ride Network, which, by the way, features Hoosier Illustrated, which is a website, a website that you all should be checking out. They're doing really good work over there. He's one of the best Big Ten basketball follows on Twitter. Lots of spontaneous film rooms and halftime reports popping up for, for different teams' games that you should check out. Uh, but we're excited to have Ant on the show. Ant, big game coming up tomorrow night. It's Michigan's Big Ten opener. It's Indiana's second Big Ten game. Looking to uh, keep the momentum going from a good second half against Harvard, a solid win over Maryland. Uh, I want to talk, you know, we want to talk to you about, you know, kind of some of the matchups and what you think the keys are. But I want to start with kind of a big picture Indiana topic. You know, you came on the show in the offseason. Uh, I would characterize you as being bullish on the talent of the roster, but worried about how it would all fit together, especially sure. McKenzie Mbako, Malik Renew, and Khalil Ware. What have you seen through seven games with those guys? Have you changed your mind on that at all? Um, no, I haven't. I, I, but I will say that um, Khalil Ware, what Woodson has done with him, amazing amazing job and I think Khalil he never moved that fast last year he never acted like he gave a shit last year you saw games this year where he's getting hype after plays I'm like (laughs) he never did this before you know he cares he truly cares and he understands 
the importance of him, right? And that's a huge step in the right direction. Um, Malik Renu, I think he is – it's cool to see that he's finding himself as being the alpha on the team. Um, that's cool. Mbako, the way that he's rebounded the last couple games, I think has helped him offensively because he's not just worrying about, I got to score, I got to score. Then he doesn't get three or four touches. Now he's frustrated. Then as, then then you see him take a my turn shot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's just one of those things where um, you, know, you have someone who's able to be mentally engaged throughout the whole game because they're trying to get rebounds. If you're if your effort is I'm gonna get this board, I'm gonna get this board, you're not thinking about I haven't shot a jump shot in three minutes, right? Think about getting this board. Okay, hey, we're live, we're back at it. Hey, boom, we're, hey, we're good. He's scoring around the basket. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. A little bit more. He's not just settling. He's using his size to his advantage, not a disadvantage. Um, still needs to work on the defensive end, but through, what, seven or eight games? I mean, we're seeing really good trajectory right now with him uh he still has ways to go but from the first couple games to now man it's it's almost night and day with how with how hard he's working on the basketball court he's like learning how to play hard which is the probably one of the bigger things going from high school to divisional basketball a lot of kids don't know how to play hard he did not know how to play hard he's learning and you could see it with his 
with his like every possession, he started to take every possession personal. He's starting to try to win every possession, not I got to get through this possession so I can go down here and try to get a bucket. Right. Or I got to I don't want to work too hard because I'll get tired. I got to come out. He's not worried about that. He's worried about now, not worried about, hey, what do I have to do to get a shot up here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you think it does, you know, as a, as a former athlete yourself, when Mike Woodson, you know, multiple games in a row has kind of come out in the press conference and been like, look, he's a freshman, he's got to learn this, and really, like, I'm not putting any pressure on him, so maybe you guys should, you know, kind of was something where he's he's kind of letting McKenzie, like, just, he doesn't have to produce at the level that so many people are thinking he's got to produce at, and yeah. basically going out there and saying that, you know, he's he's not saying, McKenzie, you're a five-star, you know, you're a NBA hopeful, you got to go score 20 a game, or, or, or you know, you, he's actually going out there and saying, look, he's doing what I expect of him. This is exactly yeah. what I expect when he came here. He's got time to grow. It's only November. Like, what does that do for McKenzie Mbako's mindset when he's kind of got – he obviously has a coach in his corner, but he's even doing it in, like, a public manner. I mean, it's big for him because, look, bro, it's hard to score in college, and it's really hard to be a true freshman to do that in college. Unless you're Zion, unless you're Paolo Bancaro, unless you're Chet Holmgren, unless you're some generational type of dude, it takes time. It takes a lot of time. And it's going to take even more time in this conference because I just think this conference is just so well coached, so well scouted that they're going to pick at your, they're going to pick at the littlest things and try to just expose it. Right. So I think it's great for him that like he's not having that pressure. He's he's able to go into film and not worry about what I, what outside voices are saying because he knows that the that the staff has his back. He's not going to throw McKenzie under the bus. And you know what? Some freshmen may need to be thrown under the bus, but we know that Mike Woodson knows his guys. He's going to talk about certain guys different ways to media or in film or on the court because different guys have different are wired differently. You can't get on cups the same way as maybe X, right? You can't get on Malik the same way as you get on Caleb because they could be totally different. And if you, if you know how to push the right buttons for different guys, you're going to get positive results. So, okay. So we asked you that question. You said positive stuff about McKenzie, positive stuff about Malik, positive stuff about Khalil. I hate the backcourt. Okay. Well, let's go. Okay. Go. I mean, uh, I mean, I think I think we understand why, but okay, let me yeah. frame that. Qu- okay, tell yeah. us about the backcourt, and then I have a follow up question for you. X X has got to be better. I know he's hurt, but even when he was healthy, I I didn't feel like we were watching the top four guard in the league, which yeah. I think Indiana fans think he is. I haven't seen that. Trey Galloway, what has he gotten better at this year? Like I I expected him to be like. Batman Robin with X. Um, I put in the video, like, I wanted to see him be more like um, Chase Adige at with Northwestern, the way that he was with Boo Booey. Yep. Chase Adige was very good on both ends, and he let Boo Booey rest on some non-perimeter threats because Chase was a mother effer getting at it on defense too, right? I think I think Trey is a, a better version of Chase Adige, honestly. And... I'm not seeing it. Trey's a bit passive. I'm not sure if he's going through something, an, an injury. I'm not sure if he's trying to conserve energy, knowing that X has not been healthy and he's dealing with – yes, Gabe. Gabe is not Jalen Hood-Trafino, right? 
So Gabe is good in his own right. Gabe Gabe's not a mid first round draft pick either, right? So yep. I need more from Trey. I need more from Trey. Um, there's the backcourt is just not where it needs to be, especially if you're a team who wants to get to an NCAA tournament and do something in the NCAA tournament. You know that you have to have a good backcourt to do anything in the postseason. I just don't. I just. I just don't see it. I like Gabe Cups. I like what he's been. I think he has. He's going to eventually have to do more. I think CJ Gunn is going to be have is going to be someone who I think Woodson at some point he's going to just have to say, "Look, CJ, we got all the confidence in you. You're going to have a longer leash. You're going to go out and be zero for eight. That doesn't matter. I'm still going to play you because he's going to have to play through some things because they're going to need him in February. They're going to yeah. need him badly throughout the end of the year." Um, it's just the backcourt is just very, very confusing for me. Um, and they could win games in this conference because of their front court. Their front court has gotten a lot better. The backcourt is not. And I thought, I thought, you know, there would be a lot more there in the backcourt. I'm just not seeing I'm just not seeing the impact that it should have. I mean, it's a great point, you know, and and I think a lot of Indiana fans have noticed even that, you know, since X went out, Indiana has played better against Harvard and against Maryland. Now, that doesn't mean Indiana is a better team without X because, I mean, even just for depth purposes and what he brings defensively. Mm -hmm. But there is something that has happened offensively to this team with him out. And I think part of it is, he just really seems to be struggling to figure out what his role was. And we saw this his first year, you know, and then he figured it out late in the year with Trace. We saw it last year. He never got the chance to figure it out because he was hurt. You know, do you think like the issues that you're seeing with X and Trey, does it seem like maybe some veterans that are just kind of struggling to figure out their roles and they'll be able to get it going? Or is there something more fundamental there where you're like, man, I think I just misjudged how good this backcourt could be. A um, little bit of both. Uh, I think one of the bigger parts of it was, you know, how much they played through TJD last year at all levels of the half court, right? It wasn't just giving him the ball in the post. He got the ball at the elbow. He got the ball at the three-point line. And sometimes it wasn't a score. It was just a, hey, cut around him because he could because he could hit anybody anywhere, right? Because he's a really good passer. And it was almost like TJD was like uh, a de facto point guard almost where it was yeah. like, hey, we're going to give him the ball and we're just going to move all these pieces around, and he's going to hit someone who has some leverage, and maybe you play out of it two-on-two. You could do a lot of things with that, right? So they have to now be with the big. That's not his thing. As good as Kalel Ware has been, it's very different than TJD. Very different. Um, Very different type of player. You have Kalel Ware who's made a few threes. I don't think TJD even shot a few threes, right? <laughs> Two very different players. Um, one, TJD, he's breaking you down in the mid post, getting to the rim. Kalel Ware is probably backing you down and shooting a fadeaway jump shot. So it's two very, very different players. Two very different players. And I think when you have guys who have been there for three, three four years, um, being with a completely different big, they have to adjust the same way as – no, Kalel's having to adjust to them. And I think they're just unsure of each other right now. 
And what about the role Malik fills? Because what you described from Trace, I mean, Malik is a different player, but he is kind of taking on that role of post facilitator. Yeah. So Malik is basically, he, he is the guy, in my opinion. I think he's someone who could be on the all Big Ten, probably second team right now. I'd put him. He's probably in that all Big Ten second team range. And, um, you know, you've seen flashes on how great he's been. And you've seen where in games that he's struggled, that replacement, they, they've they had to keep up, but it's just a much, much different game. Um, I like Renew. I like what they do with Kalel along with Renew, just to keep some sort of spacing where if Malik is down there, Kalel's either cutting, he's dunker spot, or he is out on the on the three-point line. They're not doing anything crazy with him. Uh, and Malik is able to score through two, three guys at times, you know, being like, what, six, seven, six, eight, strong yeah. lefty. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, with with Indiana, they're weird. Uh, it's a really weird dynamic, especially in terms of, you know, where modern basketball is heading because they've got, you know, Mbako, Ware, and uh, Renew, who all, you know, good talents in their own rights. Um, is there something that Mike Woodson could do to get X or Galloway going to kind of get their confidence up or, or just to put the ball in the bucket more or facilitate more? Because, you know, the, the other side of the coin is like the front court's been so effective playing through them. And then they kind of play that two man game with renew and where sometimes the guards get, they're kind of obsolete in terms of right. their half court offense. <laughs> right. so is Got there, way. Got the way. Yeah, exactly. Right. So is there anything that they could or should do to, to try to get those guards knowing, knowing that in March, if you want to make some noise or even to get to March, like those guys are going to have to be productive at some point. Honestly, the only way that I would, I could really say that would be be more aggressive in secondary breaks allow Cubs to push the ball, allow Trey to push the ball, get the ball up the court and get in the two-man game right away. Because if you have if you have a lineup where everybody – it's it's weird. It's so weird. It's so strange. It's so strange. Who's your starting five? Cups, Galloway, Mbako, uh, Renew, and Ware, right? Yep. Tell me, who do you not want shooting a three? Like right now, <laughs> who do you not, who comes do you to not Galloway? Three, <laughs> you not want shooting that three. But if they were to shoot it, I don't think you're like, oh shit, right? Right. You have five guys who have the green light still. Yeah, but they don't. But they don't play that way because they're so efficient within 10, 12 feet. Right. Um, I think you do need to play a little bit faster. I think Mbako would like that playing a little bit more up and down. Um, I think I have to ask you, how is how is Ware's conditioning been? Is he someone who can play 9, 10, 11 minutes or is he playing or is he much better in four to five minute bursts than he comes out? How I think is- it's a shorter burst for sure, at least at least yeah. thus far. I mean, I, I've seen him suck a wind a couple of times. I think it go, speaks to you, you know, figuring talking about figuring out how to play hard and like. It's a different level when you're playing hard, and then getting that conditioning to that level um, is certainly gonna gonna take some time. But but certainly been that four to five minute spurt kind of guy. 
which it kind of leads me to a question I had typed up because it, it's almost a philosophical thing that I think is really hard for guys to to turn on and off in their mind is that Indiana, they play such a, a, a defense that is conducive to teams playing slower. I mean, they're essentially playing pack line. They don't call yeah. it that, but yeah, they you know, they're sagging in gaps. And, and, you know, they're, the other teams are taking like 20 seconds off the shot clock. To me, it's such a, a fundamental shift from, you know, every coach says they want to play fast. They want to, they want to get in transition. But when your defense is predicated on like slowing the other team down, for me, that's such a hard thing to, to turn on and off. Like, yeah. you know, it's not like they're running around trapping everybody and getting after with, you know, having defense. It's, right. it's suck it in. So to me, I just kind of curious on your thoughts if you think that's kind of playing into why they aren't getting out in transition as well as just they're piggybacking back and forth or jockeying back and forth kind of in those different philosophies. And that's you know that that's a great point because what when you're getting out and you're pressuring, you're being aggressive, that forces teams to, to play faster, take tougher shots. Usually, when teams play slower, they take better shots, right? When you, when you when you're taking better shots, you have much better defensive transition, right? If you take a bad shot, a fast shot, defensive transition isn't as bad because when you take a crazy shot that nobody on your team expects you you to take, guys aren't getting back, guys aren't crashing, guys are in no man's land. By the time the ball ricochets off the rim, it's like who the hell just shot that ball, right? Next thing you know, the other team is going. So that's a, that is a really good point. So that's kind of it's kind of clashing. It's kind of, it's kind of clashing with, hey, may want to play a little bit faster. Um, maybe when they get turnovers, they can go. You know, when Calaire's when uh, Calaire <laughs> when Khalil <laughs> a block, you can go. They have a lot of length, so deflections, you can go. Um, I do want to see. I do want to see Trey get more aggressive. Uh, I really do because I think he has all the ability to. I think it'll open up so much, and it'll take a lot of pressure off of Gabe too. Where I think Gabe, I think Gabe can really shoot the rock. So if Gabe is more off the ball and Trey's being that guy to facilitate, he's big enough, he's athletic enough, he has the ability to see guys and find guys, and you're going to hit guys who are spotting up and Gabe and Abaco, we're new where whichever who's in whoever's in trail whoever's in dunker spot, you have a lot of options honestly, and. Um, I think they have – it's not like they have they don't have offensively inept guys. They, they don't have guys who aren't able to shoot. They don't – They that's not how they're built. Um, but they are someone who knows where the bread and butter is right now. Now, how do you expand on that? I think it's with Trey being more the facilitator, being more the guy, being a bigger player in the pick and roll. So even if they jam you hard, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, Trey, athletic Trey – Senior Trey, bigger Trey is make probably making those tougher passes that Gabe probably uses one or two extra dribbles. By that time, the defense has already regained their stance and uh, position. So, um, yeah, my thing would be Trey. You know, get yeah. get Trey the ball and more looks, but they're not having trouble scoring the ball. That's the thing. So it's like why make changes? But my only wrinkle would be, hey, let's have Trey do a little, little bit more of what Gabe does um, and let Gabe be that guy who's off the ball. Well, and we saw that against Maryland, and it worked well. You know, I mean, yeah. that was probably as good as Trey's played probably since the first game of the season. As we look toward this game Tuesday, you know, Indiana will be playing its first true road game. 
This Michigan team has been kind of all over the place. You know, they have two top hundred wins. They lost to Long Beach State. They've you know, they've had four losses, but it hasn't really dinged them that hard in the analytics yet. When you look at this matchup, what do you think are maybe the one or two keys that will really kind of tell the story of this game and how it goes? Um, personnel wise, who do you have to guard Doug McDaniel? Yeah, I think that's going to be big. <laughs> that's um, what we talked about. Gabe, Gabe, I mean, that's going to be a tough matchup for him, but I think he's smart enough to guard him. Uh, Gabe can also guard Namari, but Namari also does a good job attacking smaller defenders um, and can Trey, and you don't want Trey on Doug for a very long time or else he's going to be worn down. Doug probably, you know, in, in, inarguably top five fast, fastest players in the country with the basketball. He's very hard to guard. But not only that, they have they they played eight in their last game. Jadilan Llewellyn, that was his first game back. Seven guys have the green light. They're one of the best shooting teams in the country, one of the best shooting teams in the Big Ten. Um every time they get an open shot, I think it's going in. Like Will Cheddar shooting like 80% from three on like 30 attempts or something. <laughs> something insane. Um uh Terrence Williams is shooting around 38, 39%. Namari is up there too. Doug is up there. Um did you not get he's shooting 76.9%. He's 10 for 13. Cheddar. I thought you were yeah, exaggerating. Like, <laughs> no, like, like no, like Jeez. dude, dude just like like he gets the ball if he's open, the, the ball is probably gonna go in. Um, and when it comes to efficiency, uh, you can look up his field goal percentage. It's up there too. It's like around 75, 80% or something. Mm -hmm. Um, but he has foul trouble issues. So getting renew to attack him will be huge. Where to attack him will also be huge. Um, it's going to come down to if, if Indiana can make Michigan be average, make Michigan be average on offense, you and Indiana will, will win the game. That's what it kind of comes down to. Because defensively, they're worst in the Big Ten in efficiency. They're either worst or second to last. It's not good at all. I think in the country, a few days ago, they are in the 170s. I'm not sure where they are now, but they give up a lot of points. And, you know, I would not be surprised if Malik has a 30 ball uh, based off of how they're able to guard um, they just don't guard at all, and with, and they just allow so many. And it's like easy baskets too. It's not like I'll say Long Beach State was a game where these dudes were taking and making crazy shots. They were like fifty four from the field, like forty seven from three. It was like they were hitting some crazy shots. In Atlantis, they were it was wide open dunks, wide open shots, wide open layups, wide open this, wide open that. Teams can kind of run whatever they want to run, you know. So if Indiana is able to, if they're able to somewhat contain Doug, it's really hard to contain him all the way. But if you can somewhat contain him, I mean, I, I, like I can see Indiana winning like eighty-one seventy-six or something like that. Hmm. When uh, was that? That was Walker. Uh, that was, uh, <laughs> Walker has no respect for me. <laughs> uh, when you when you look at Michigan, you know they're, they're shooting a lot of threes. They're making a lot of threes. 
what are they doing to get into those actions? How are they getting such open earth? Doug, or are they open? Yeah, Doug slices up everyone. So he'll get off ball screen actions and then so he's he'll basically making to, reads. So like Doug always gets to that second level and guys help wide open. But not only do they have seven guys who can who can shoot the ball, they have seven guys who can put the ball on the deck too. So it's you know, even if you have a secondary defender helping out on Doug, when they hit a wing, that wing, if they're not open, they will drive the ball as well. They'll get in the paint and they're gonna either get a dunk or a wide open three. And that's kind of how it's been the whole season. If they were if they were like, man, man, I feel like uh man, if they were just okay on defense, they'd probably be like one loss, if that. Maybe undefeated, but they're like I I can't explain to you how bad their defense is, and I won't be shocked because when they played Memphis, when they played Memphis and went down like 17, 18 points, they went zone. That game completely flipped. I think they should go zone eighty percent of the time. Honestly, I think mm-hmm. they should do like the Merrimack zone. Um, if you're not familiar with Merrimack College. They run this zone. It is is one of the sexiest things. I want to break it down <laughs> one day. It is so sexy. It goes from like a 131 to a 221 to a 2-3. Based is just, oh. Oh. Wait a minute, Ant. <laughs> yeah. Roz. Roz. What's a really good ballet? What's a really good ballet? What's your favorite ballet? What's your favorite ballet? My favorite ballet? Yeah. Um, Cinderella. Cinderella ballet. That's what it is. It is like, <laughs> it's like, it's like poetry is like, it's just, man, I'm telling you, it's one of the most beautiful things. And it's nice because guys know their job. And it's not like they're like, they're just, they want to be a top 25, top 30 defense. It's like, hey, we're just going to try to cover up as much as we can. If you make it, you you do. If you don't, it's whatever. You know what I mean? If you're just okay. Michigan is one of those teams where if they're just okay, like imagine Iowa with Keegan Murray and all those guys. Imagine that team with like a 65-ranked defense. I mean, they'd be How they good are been they? incredible. Yeah. Yeah, scoring 95 a game, allowing 60. Congrats. Good luck with that, right? So – you know, Michigan is very is very similar. Where they have to find a way, um, they have to find a way to play defense. They have to find a way, and they they give up a lot of twos. I don't even know what the numbers are, but the eye test tells me that they give up a lot of stuff around the basket. And it's like it's not even like it's not even like those like I gotta try hard for this. It's like you're doing Mikins. You know those Mikin drills? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's what it's like. You're doing Mikins, except Khalil's going to be doing dunk, dunk. Malik, and one, and one. Well, he's just lefty, lefty, all left because he doesn't go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not a lot of right going on there. Right, right. I mean, and but, that does uh, make it seem like a really interesting contrast in styles, you know, because Indiana has been susceptible to the three-point line, and Michigan's going to get their looks. Michigan uh, wants to play fast, too. Yeah. They want to play very fast. And I think that's part of it. They kind of want to – Get after it on defense. It's almost like they want you to hurry up and score so they can score again. It's, 
Yeah, it's very op- it's like ex- it's like opposite of what I expected this year from from the team. It's ex- it's exactly it, opposite. I expected a very to, good defensive team. To you, is it is it more like personnel related or scheme related? Because I know with IU fans, a lot of people have gotten frustrated the way that they run their kind of pick and roll defense. They sit somebody at the nail, wings wide open for threes at time after time after time. So people are getting kind of frustrated with the scheme. For Michigan, is it more scheme or is it more just like dudes losing assignments and, and stuff like that? Man, the switching is bad. Um, I feel like you know, over rotating, they don't know who to rotate on. The on ball defense, oh my goodness. Um, which I think is an Indiana, which is <laughs> an, so an Indiana thing that I think helps Michigan is that. Do you one on one? I don't think you're worried about Mbako taking you off the bounce. You're not worried about Malik taking you off the bounce. You're not worried about Ware taking you off the bounce. That's going to be two players, right? Can CJ take you off the bounce? One or two dribbles, then he's going to pull up, right? He's not going to. It's not going to the rim. Put this back in the fridge. Okay. <laughs> This guy wants his Chobani. Hey. Hey, this message is from Chobani. Thank you. We got him. So, yeah, um, I think that plays into two Michigan's hands where they have, a, they have a big issue with blow-bys. They have a big issue with guys just being able to just catch and just go. Um, but Indiana doesn't have a lot of that personnel. So, I think that will be a plus for Michigan, you know, just based off personnel wise. But um, they don't; they haven't needed to do that because they would just get the ball on the wing and they just give it to the elbow or give it to the post and just let the guys work down there. One more question for you on this game before we just talk a, a briefly about the Big Ten at large. In terms yeah. of other individual matchups, do you expect Kamwa and Malik to be matched up with each other? Because that seems like a pretty interesting contrast of styles. For the most part, yes. For the most part, yes. Uh, I see that. Um, they have a lot of forwards. So they have him. They have Cheddar. Um, they have uh, Yusuf Kayat. They've got you know, they, they've got Terrace as well, where like I wouldn't be shocked if they put Terrace on Renew and they will put someone like Kamwa on where. Um, hmm. I could see that because I think Malik is the – Malik is – more offensively savvy than Ware right now. I think Ware gets his on, you know, offensive boards, um, rim running, spot ups. Malik is going to give you a little more shake, right? And yep. being mobile like that, Terrace is a mobile big. He's 6'11", long wingspan, like 7'4", 7'5", but he's mobile. And so I think someone like him um, could give Renew a little bit. But at the same time, if you throw like one or two screens for him, Malik's going to – I'm telling you, you're going to see some of the easiest baskets you've ever seen in your life. Like, wow, he's open. Mike Woodson is really running – he's really running that offense to perfection. Like, no, Michigan just doesn't want to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, well, good. So it should be a fun upscoring game or a high scoring game as opposed to the it slog should be a, we saw it should against be a higher scoring game. It's it's either going to be higher scoring or you're going to see uh like 
a nasty high shot attempt game. It's gonna be a high shot attempt game. Yeah, I'll say that much. We'll see. That we'll we'll see if they go in. But you know what? There- I'm, feeling? I'm feeling you guys are going to make at least five threes in this game. Ooh, you man, that would, you're talking threes. about a historical performance. <laughs> hey, hey, man, Jeez. You know, I'm feeling five. Hey, look, last game before I said, hey, I think it was before. Yeah, it was before the Maryland game. I was yep. like, I feel it in my bones. This is going to be the first time that they hit back-to-back three-point attempts. Sure enough, it was where and renewed. Where and renewed. <laughs> Well, when they're just looking around like if no one else is going to do it, fine. We'll step up and make them. <laughs> <Yeah>. Whatever. <laughs> Would y'all hit like three threes or something? Yes. Three for nine. Oh. <laughs> All three in the first half, right? All yep. You know. You're like, okay, that's enough, guys. We've got to do With uh with Martelli coaching, is there any difference than than if uh Juwan was coaching, or is it pretty much what you'd expect game to game. You're killing me. <laughs> I'll say this. Um, I did not know he was in Atlantis um, until I watched. I watched the, I was watching the, the Memphis game and I was like, they're feeding Terrace a lot. Like they're feeding him the ball a lot right now. Like, like, Michigan never fed the post like this. What's going on? Next thing I know, camera flashes to the bench. You see Jawan's face. I'm like, oh, 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 told on him. I knew something was. I knew something was off, bro. I knew something was off, man. I knew something was off. Um, and sure enough, like they they play different. I can't put my finger on it, but it's a little bit different. Um, the dynamic is really weird. I've, it's probably weird for the kids. Like Juwan's never coached Trey. He never coached Olivier, never coached, um, he never coached, uh, Namari, you know? So like he's getting these never coached GW, right? He's then, you know, all of a sudden he's like, you know, he's like, uh, what they said that he was doing. He was, uh, not, not advising. He was like, Insulting. Over- yeah, I, I forget what the word they like. Observing, he was observing <laughs> that he was observing, and like he's getting thrown out of games. And <laughs> <laughs> it is a different dynamic, it, it, not one I've seen too often. It's a little bit different. Um, it is a little bit different. Um, but what I did like in the Oregon game, I did feel like Martelli had more of the pulse of the team. Um, and I only say that because you, I didn't see. A lot of things in the first half that they did in the Atlantis, they they didn't do in Oregon. Um, and just so happened, they never got down by 15 in the first half against Oregon. So they lost the Oregon game. Oregon's not a good team. At the same time, I think that that was a positive step to where they need to get to. So, yeah. When's Juwan taking over full-time again? I have no clue, but he's an assistant now. Apparently, yeah, he's an assistant now. Um, so weird. It'll be the fastest progression you've ever seen to the head seat from the observer to assistant to head coach, all in a Tell season. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. <laughs> uh, all right, last couple questions for you, Ant. And thanks a lot for doing yeah. this. We appreciate your time. Hey, not uh, a problem. I can talk Big Ten basketball until I'm I know, gone. Like, that's I why can... we love having you on. Yeah. 
Love that's why. That's why we love it. Uh, okay, best so conference. big best conference, easily best. Conference. It is. What uh? What are the Big Ten storylines that have really caught your eye? Like, what do you think is the most interesting thing that's outside of Indiana and Michigan, who we've already talked about? What's the um, most interesting thing to you in the conference right now? Storylines. Um, I'm looking at the updated net rankings now. How do y'all feel about being 137 in the net? I mean, <laughs> I'm just hanging no minds. <laughs> I'm of I'm of a few different minds of it. One. Like, you know, whatever. I mean, we haven't played very good against some bad teams, so yeah. it's fine. It's obviously early, and the net rankings are really noisy early on. There's always yeah. kind of crazy rankings. So I think, to me, any individual ranking doesn't mean a lot. What I do take from it, though, is that the Big Ten is not doing very well. And we have yeah. precious few weeks to pick up some good wins to make conference wins better. Because like Tony and I were talking about earlier – you know, once you get into conference play, it's like your total piece of the net pie is set, and now you're just divvying it up among the conference foes. <laughs> right. You know, so I'd rather have a bigger piece of the pie. But right now, you got Purdue up there at five, a few other teams in the twenties, and then some teams that are really far down there. Yeah, so, so that's concerning for the overall conference's strength. So storyline, something that you know I didn't really see coming into the year. Um, Iowa's freshman are really, really good, hmm. are really, really good. They have – they're probably the best freshman class right now out of Iowa's. anybody. Wow. I, yeah, Owen Freeman's Harding, tough. Brock Harding. They got, they got Baby Sanford. They got Dembele. They got Owen Freeman. Those four cats are really freaking good, really good. Best freshman class. Best freshman class. You throw rankings, all that BS out the window. Iowa has the best freshman class, and I don't think it's very close. Um, did not see that coming in. I I didn't know about Brock Harding and Owen being from Moline and all that stuff, but Baby Sanford, Dembele, the way that they've come together, Fran kind of runs them in their own unit, which I find kind of weird to do. I don't like it, but – it's fun, right? It's almost like Fab Five-ish where they play all five freshmen <laughs> at the same time. But yeah. they play those four at the same time alongside like Josh Dix or, or something weird. And they, they're they fun. That's a fun, fun group. That, two, Maryland. What are y'all doing? Jesus, you're from the DMV. <laughs> you're out here. What What is what is happening? That is, that is, that's probably the most annoying thing that I've seen. Because like, I like to like go, uh, I like to say crazy stuff before the preseasons of like thoughts that are deep in my head that I don't like to say. I said Ohio State, Wisconsin, or Maryland will finish. Well, two of these teams will finish in the top four in the league. Ohio State and Wisconsin are holding, are still holding on to that dream. Maryland just gave me the middle finger. Um, I don't know what's going on there. You, 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 re- you returned everyone. You go out and get Jordan Geronimo. Once Akeem Hart leaves, they could have they could have they could have made a play for a much better dude. Honestly, um, they could have. I, I don't know why Dante Scott is there. They should have let him leave. Whatever's going on there, I don't know why they played Dante Scott. Scott needs to be like the backup five. I think. Um, I would say Minnesota. They're 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 going to be really annoying in the Big Ten. That team, I mean, they've got 
Well, Dawson Garcia is good. Um, Cam Christie, man. Cam Christie's really talented. Max Christie's brother. Cam Christie's really good. 6'6 shooting guard. I like Pharrell Payne, but he's been injured. He's starting to come back. Um, Did I read a tweet from you right over the weekend? Did you say they have a top seven roster in the Big Ten? I think they have a top seven roster in the Big Ten. I really think they do. Um, But their their rotations are so strange. Their rotations, I don't really really get it. Um, I think... I think Johnson's gone after this year if they don't get to the NIT and then Nico Medved's going to come in. Um, Colorado State but, coach. Is he Colorado yeah, State? Yeah. 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 They just beat someone else, like beat the hell out of them. A good, they beat the hell out of a real good team. Um, they already beat Creighton. Uh, who else did they beat? They, they, they beat Colorado. Did they beat Colorado? Yep. yep. Um, they beat. They beat someone else too, man. They beat someone else good, but they've been they've been absolutely going to. Oh, they beat Washington yesterday. Wow. They beat they killed Washington, right? Saturday, yeah, yeah. Or no, they beat them by five. They had a big. Oh, okay, beat on them. they beat them by five. Beat Colorado by five. They beat oh, Creighton they beat by twenty one. Yeah, yeah. yeah they've they've been going to work against teams, but I think those are the. The only real surprises, honestly, those are the only real surprises. Michigan State will be all right, I think. Uh, I think when watching that Arizona game, I was like, okay, all right. I think they understand what they got to do now and who they need to play, their ro- their rotations. Um, but, yeah, outside of that, everything's like nothing really too surprising. Um, Lance Jones, I'm – I'm probably his biggest fan. I love Lance Jones for Purdue. Like, Purdue wins if Lance Jones doesn't get that call at half court. Honestly. Like, Boo Booey didn't have a field goal for 14 minutes up until that time. And then he fouls out with, what, like a minute left. Over the next six minutes, Boo Booey has like 10 points. So, like, Lance Jones is huge. I think Lance Jones – the way that he alleviates pressure from Braden Smith is nuts. And I know in Indiana fans are in here and they don't want to hear any of this. I get it. But just know that Lance Jones is probably one of the more underrated pickups in the entire country. Um, nothing flashy coming in, but right now, like what he's doing with that team, um, so good, so, so good. But, but those Iowa freshmen, those Iowa freshmen, man, I'm, I'm really impressed. Whenever Iowa plays, I, like if even if I miss it, I I hop on Synergy. I don't care if it's like two a.m. and I watch them. And if I'm too tired, I just watch that lineup with them. That's it. <laughs> like I just watch that lineup. Just just That's the beauty it. of Synergy. Yeah, man. <laughs> Brock Harding, man, he reminds me of uh, Jason Williams. Reminds me of Jay Will. Reminds me of Jay Will. Flashy, just enjoys the game. If he gets a jump white shot, chocolate, Jason Williams, you mean? White chocolate, Jason Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. White chocolate. Um, a lot of fun. If you want to have a, have fun, watch that team. Then watch that freshman lineup because, like freshmen, they have like a uh, they have like a they 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 played with like was I don't know what the correct term is, but like a blissful ignorance because they don't know any better. Mm-hmm. They're just out there hooping, right? That's them. Like Owen Freeman, like. 
man, he had one possession. He had three straight blocks on this team. And he's like sprinting down the court to get the ball back. It was just, man, I was, I'm like smiling ear to ear the whole time. Uh, Dembele, he could shoot the ball. Like, oh my gosh, this dude's an athlete. Boom, boom, boom. And then next thing I know, he's, he's in the corner. Lap. I'm like, okay, okay. All right. Owen Friedman is going to be a future all Big Ten player. Um, Dembele probably is too. Brock Harding is going to be there for nine years. <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be, uh, they're just recouping. They're just recouping, man. It's, but Ohio State's gotten a lot better. I thought that they would get better. They've, 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 I'm, I'm not going to say they've like exceeded ex- expectations, but, you know, they were, they um shout out to uh, Gale man Roddy Gale you know he because Ball took a lot of his time most of last year and when Roddy came in in the postseason he he was doing his thing and you saw it you're like if he holds on to this he just stays there stay there hold on to this because you can have this next season and that's what he's been for them he's been so good Bruce Stewart has been so good backcourt right been so good. You know, Felix Akpar has been better. You know, they've – that team's going to be okay. They're going to be okay. They're going to be okay. Oh, last thing. Connor Sijian. What is going on with him in Wisconsin? Like, what is happening? And you know what? It could be that Blackwell took over his time. Klesman's been playing well. Uh, I don't know how they got A.J. Store to this day, but hey. Dang, Sijian's only playing 20% of minutes. I didn't realize – yeah, Holy dude, yeah, he's not playing at all. Yeah, against seventeen percent from three point range. Yeah, wow. Against Marquette, he played three minutes. He was minus three with like one turnover. It's, I'm like, yo, it's yeah, this, then it was weird when guard was asked about it. He's like, you'll have to ask him. Yeah, like, there's it's something. Going on, Whoa, jeez, there's something happening, dog. There's something happening, and well, that was someone who like I expected to be like Tyler Hero light, you know, averaged like 12, 13 on that team. Yeah. But man, they've their guys have got better. Klesman's gotten better. Chucky Hepburn, I felt that he needed to facilitate more and be more of a third, fourth option. And that's what he's doing. And man, and I'm I'm a big Steven Crowell guy. I got a lot of hate, but look, Crowell is just he's gonna hit you with that above average every single game. And that consistency <laughs> It goes a long way, man. It does. Well, we appreciate you being on here, man. Always love your insight. Uh, Tuesday night, Indiana, Michigan, 9 Eastern, Peacock. Are you going to be doing another halftime chilling report? On uh, uh, Depends. Mission? Depends what I'm doing. The wife is like 39 weeks, so at any point I could oh, be man. going in. So if I disappear for a little bit, it's because I got stuff to do. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Congratulations. I understand that. Yeah, congrats. That'll be your second? Number two? Yeah, no, no. That'll be number three. Number three. Okay. So nice. Yeah. It'll be a lot of late night man. synergy, holding the baby on synergy, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Two in the morning. <laughs> Film no sessions kidding. and babies gonna make noises. I'm not even gonna care. That's all right. Uh, no, that's but, awesome, um, man. Uh, I hope Derek Queen was watching that Indiana Maryland game. That's all I know. I hope Me so too. too. <laughs> I hope Derek Queen is watching. He's from around here, and I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. 
I don't know. I, I think I think it should be between Indiana and who's the other team? Kansas. Kansas it's supposed to be Maryland, but yeah, Kansas and Houston are the other ones in there. Yeah, I th- I don't think he should go to Maryland, bro. I don't think he should go. To we Maryland. agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he should yeah. go to. Maryland. I really don't. They think went they went four deep down there the day after trying to recoup. You know, hey, I know we just lost by twenty and looked horrible offensively and have all season, but we got our whole staff here for you, and you can help change all that. Yeah, they- it was. <laughs> It was not good. Tail between the legs. Like, look, look, bro, we're still here, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, yep. We need you. We need you. But, yo. Hey, Ant, where's the best place for people to support your work? Obviously, we recommend everybody go check out Hoosier Illustrated. Alec and, and the guys over there do an awesome job. Yeah, HoosierIllustrated.com is dope. Uh, outside of that, just my Twitter um, and it's Ant Right. Uh, and like that's pretty much like everything. Like I do have a Discord of like I don't know, like eight hundred people that people come to and kind of hang out. Nice. I'm in um, there. I got to do a much better job of interacting in there, but I feel like I'm slowly, slowly getting over there. Yeah. I do have a Discord, all that fun stuff. Um, but yeah, just it's here right on Twitter, Blue Sky, whatever, anything. It's it's here right. It's ain't right. YouTube, it's Ant right as well. So. It's Ant right. Well, Ant, we appreciate you being here. Tony, thank you for taking time to do this as well. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we will talk to you all on Tuesday night after IU Michigan. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers.